Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Talk Spicy. I'm Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you for joining me wherever you are joining me. Rate the show, comment, agree, disagree, but whatever you do, keep it spicy. Five-star ratings are appreciated. And if you're joining me on the YouTube channel, make sure that you like, make sure you subscribe. We always do appreciate when you show love. Um, if you're joining me on Spotify, you know what the vibes is. Come check me out anytime you get an opportunity to check me out. Facebook, Twitter, we always appreciate it. Um, Happy Monday to everybody. And hopefully this week and this weekend, you got a chance to see your favorite football team, your favorite NFL football team play. And you were... You were left with some hope, right? Like, hopefully, when you watch them play, you didn't go, oh, my God, we're going to be awful, like, all year. Hopefully, you took something from it, and what you took from it was something that you said, hey, you know, if this happens, then we can be, we can be successful, because that's the hope, right? That's the that's the desire. We just want to have an opportunity to see our favorite NFL teams be um, be successful. The only problem is is that it's it, it seems as if some of these teams have zero desire to be better. What do I mean? Well, if we look at what good teams do. It doesn't seem to mirror what the bad teams do. So my my thing is, is if I am a bad team in a league where everything is equal, right? The, 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 the thing about the NFL is that everything is equal. Everything has the opportunity to be equal so that there's never a time where you as an organization don't have the same resources and the same opportunities to make your team better, right? With saying all that, why is it that bad teams always manage to stay bad? Well, it's really simple if you think about it. Bad teams stay bad because they don't do the things that the good teams do. Now that's, that's an oversimplification, right? That's an oversimplification of what happens. Well, here's, here's what I mean. Here in the preseason, the good teams seem to all be rolling their starters out. They all roll their starters out, their starters, however long they play. They play a, they play a quarter. They play a couple series. They want to see that offense you know, clicking, working together. They want to see that defense and how they function together. We get that from the good teams. And then we look at the bad teams, and a lot of these bad teams are resting their starters. They're not playing their starters. Now, from what we've seen is usually – there's usually one acceptable reason for not playing your starters, which is 
you just had a joint practice. Hey, we just had a joint practice. We had a chance to go up against them, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. I don't know if you know this or not. There are still practices. That is not a real game situation. And you know how I know it's not a real game situation? Because I've watched them. I've watched those joint practices. They're competitive. Yes. There's some live reps there. Yes. Is it the same as a game? No. Your coordinator doesn't get the opportunity to call plays for his first teams. If you're most most bad teams are usually breaking in new coordinators. Your your um quarterback slash offense line, defensive line, all your skills, they're not getting the opportunity to go up against ones or even twos. But they're not they're not getting an opportunity to operate within a game setting with a clock running and management having to go on and fans in the stands screaming. None of that. It's not the same. It's not a real game. I don't care what these coaches try to tell you. They are lying to you. My name is Coach Gene Clements. I am not just I'm not just capping up here. Like this isn't just some dude who's never been around, never seen anything. Anytime somebody tells you that a practice was the same as a game time situation, they are lying to you. They want an excuse to not play their players. And guess what? A lot of those times, those teams are bad. Those teams that don't play their starters in the in the preseason tend to be bad. Juxtapose that by this. The Ravens, whether they're playing their starters or not, always go into a game, preseason or otherwise, looking to win the game. They have a 20-something game winning streak going in the preseason. Everybody out there goes, all of the pundits that don't know any better, like, oh, this is a dubious distinction. It doesn't matter. They're, they're, it's counterintuitive. All of the things that you say when you don't understand. Mindset. The mindset of them is that everything is competition and we're trying to win. Therefore, they win. Huh. It's a weird concept. They try to win all the time and therefore they win a lot. Amazing. Their backups come into games and play like starters. Why? Because their backups are built, the mentality is built that when I am in this game, I'm trying to win. I'm here to win. I'm not here to hold the place until the starter gets back. I'm here to win. You know what? In in Baltimore, it's so bad that people have actually taught themselves, some people have actually taught themselves into Tyler Huntley being able to be the starting quarterback instead of Lamar Jackson. Now, I love Tyler Huntley. I believe Tyler Huntley should be a starting quarterback in this league. If I was another team that had an aging quarterback who was, you know, one to two years away from being done 
in the league, Tom Brady, I would try my damnedest to get a hold of Tyler Huntley. Also, if I'm Baltimore, I don't let Tyler Huntley out of the out of the out of the room. But I don't start him over Lamar Jackson. That's just silly stuff, right? There's levels to this. Now, if I don't have Lamar Jackson, then yes, I want Tyler Huntley as my starter. If I'm in other places that don't have a guy, yes, I want a Tyler Huntley as my starter. Why? Because Tyler Huntley is used to, he's used to winning. He's used to trying to win. He's used to making it a point to be a winner. Why? Because in the preseason, they play like they're trying to win the game. People get people get too caught up on, oh, he did that versus the first teamers. He did that versus the second teamers and whatever. Who cares who you perform well against? The only time we should worry is when you don't perform well. If you're performing well, then that is the that's the that's the thought process. If you're not performing well, then that's a problem. If you're not performing well, that's the problem. Not if you're performing well. But bad teams stay bad because they don't ever build a culture of winning. You want to know how one of the one of the things that that got Golden State really rolling? I remember it. The Golden State Warriors, and I know I'm into basketball, but this analogy should make some sense to you, right? When the Golden State Warriors were young, I remember when Steve Kerr took over as the head coach. He coached the he coached the summer league and had some big er names come and play in summer league. They won the summer league and it set the precedent. It set the precedent that everything that they did was going to be about winning. Now, Mark Jackson did a fantastic job and there's, there's arguments to be made that Golden State would still be Golden State if Mark Jackson was there. There's arguments to be made. But just that mindset of we're trying to win this thing at all times is something that resonates with your entire program. The San Antonio Spurs did it. The San Antonio Spurs did it when they were trying to reascend. They made sure that they put an emphasis on the summer league and winning in the summer league. Why? Because that's what good teams do. Good teams make the culture, make the culture about doing the things necessary to be successful at all times. And if you look around and permeate, you if you look around from the NFL all the way down to youth league, the teams that are built with, a, with an idea that we're going to do. We're going to make sure that our players are doing everything they can to put themselves in position to win. You see the results. Even in high school, we look around in, in, the, in, the, in, in my area where I am. Our, our, our private schools had a great day. Now, 
a great, a great weekend. Now, some of it was because the competition wasn't as good, right? They may have played some bad teams. But good teams or teams who want to be good crush bad teams, right? Meanwhile, our public schools went one in seven, I think. I don't even know the, the one team that won. Oh, yes, I do. Shout out to New Hampstead, who beat May, um, beat, beat May River, I believe. Yeah, New Hampstead who beat May River. Um, they went one in seven. Why is it? What's the difference, right? What's happening in that it's not just all talent, right? It's not just all talent. What else is it? Do people, are people executing at the level they should execute? Are they practicing hard enough? Are they being disciplined? Do they, do they, do they take care of their bodies so they're not cramping and, and, and they can perform at, the, at their optimal level? I tell you one of the things that I see more in public schools than I see in private schools. And I've worked in both. I see there's far more instances of players cramping in public school than I see players cramping in private school. That has nothing to do with money, right? Because of, because water's free. And getting a jug and filling it up with water or getting a, 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 a 16 ounce bottle and continually, continually filling it up with water is something that is easy to do. But bad teams stay bad because players don't take accountability for, for their actions. If you're a player on a team and you are not doing everything in your power to be available for your team the right way, then you are promoting a losing culture. Because the first thing that happens when you lose is that player will go, oh, well, if I was out there, well, that's convenient. You're not. And why are you not? Because you didn't take care of your body, because you didn't take care of your responsibilities in the classroom, because you didn't take care of what you needed to do in order to understand the offense, defense, special teams to be on the field. But the coach will get blamed for that. Right? The coach will get blamed for that. But that's not a coach issue. Especially at the high school level where that coach has a regular job, which is to teach classes. That's the job they get paid for. This little side money that you get that, that amounts to cents on a dollar or cents on the hour, that's not money that's going to, that's, that's going to do anything for your life. I call it Christmas present money. That's what, that's what I've always called coaching stipends, Christmas present money. So when you think about that, that piece with players and being accountable, that's why bad teams stay bad. If you don't understand your assignment and you get beat, that's how bad teams stay bad because it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter 
who's coaching you for you to know what your assignment is. That's just about you learning what it is you're supposed to do within the moment. This goes across all landscapes. This goes across all landscapes. It doesn't matter if you are a, it doesn't matter if you are a youth league or if you're in the NFL. Look at the teams in the NFL with players who freestyle. They usually end up being bad teams. If you look at the teams in college who don't who don't execute well, they usually end up being bad teams. Doesn't even matter what sport. Football, basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball, lack of execution, not understanding one's job will lead you to losing every single time. And the good teams emphasize understanding your job and they hold you accountable for it. They don't let you on the they don't let you on the playing surface if you don't. If you're on the playing surface and you don't know your job, then that is the failure of the coach. Whatever surface that is, the court, the field, the track, if you don't understand your job and you're allowed to compete, then that's a failure on the coach. I can tell you as a coach for me, I want people who know their job. I'll take less talented people who know their job over talented people who don't know what they're doing. Because what's the difference, right? If I'm going to lose, I might as well lose with the players who at least adhere to what I want done because now I'm building, I'm building a culture, a culture of accountability. And eventually if I get that kid as a freshman and I work that kid through his senior year, eventually we'll win. That's how you build culture. When you let them slack, when you let them go and, and, and participate without knowing what they're supposed to do, what you're saying is, oh, well, I'm trying to win in the short term. And I'm hoping I can get them to buy in by giving them something. The problem is, is the buy-in only comes when they feel threatened that something is going to be taken away. The carrot is the, is the thing that coaches have. That carrot is playing time. You want, you want your players to adhere to rules, regulations, policies, start taking playing time away. And I know it's hard for the smaller teams, the teams that don't have the large rosters to do it because that might mean taking away a really important piece. But ultimately, bad teams stay bad because they're not willing to make that sacrifice. And then you got to be honest. You got to be honest with parents. You have to be honest with administration because things like that might cost you your job. No longer is it just run a good program in high school. Now it's about winning too, right? But I just said you don't make enough money 
to sell your soul to winning. Most high school coaches and stipends, even the head coaching stipend, is not enough money to constitute selling their, their integrity for wins. I've been, a, I've been a head coach. I've been an assistant coach. None of the money that I've made from being a head coach or an assistant coach is enough money to change my existence from what I make simply as a teacher and as a writer and, and all the other stuff that I do with media on the side. None of it. If it was, we'd be having a completely different conversation. Now, I, I recognize that if I want to be a mentor and I want to continue to teach and mentor young men, if winning is a part of it, I need to get to a place of winning. But I really and truly believe that bad teams stay bad when they look for immediate success instead of long-term stability. And that is at every level. We see it all the time. My challenge to all of you guys out there, if you're coaches, because I know a lot of coaches listen to this. My challenge to all of you as coaches, stand on a principle. Articulate that principle and that goal to your players. Make sure that they understand it. And then hold them to the standard you would, whether they were a five-star athlete or a guy who's never going to be a starter for you. Hold them all to that same standard and watch what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Talk Spicy. I'm Coach Gene Clems. We do this thing a few times a week. Break the show, comment, agree, disagree, but whatever you do, keep it spicy. Five-star ratings are appreciated. And if you're joining me on the YouTube channel, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. Till next time. Peace.